So I remember, you know, being four or five years old and knowing like three different words for a bump sustained on the head from colliding with solid objects that didn't move. <laughs> I also remember one time uh, TBI was indulging me in one of my favorite pastimes, which is running as fast as possible. We were running and I tripped and slid along my face. And yeah, it hurt. <laughs> but you know what else? It was fun. <laughs> to be truly active and involved is never going to be risk-free. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. This episode includes highlights from the 2017 Texas Deafblind Symposium. We are hearing from George Stern and Andrew Cohen, two individuals who are deafblind. George adds to the last episode from Mickey D'Amelio and, among other things, emphasizes the benefit of physical activity. Andrew brings to our airways the Deafblind Camp of Texas. Our standard PSA will let you know when we transition to Andrew, who presents in sign language and uses two voice interpreters during this segment. And so uh, before going any further, I'm going to introduce George Stern. So, as uh, David said, my name is George Stern, and before I get any deeper into this discussion we have this morning, let's go ahead and play this video. It was taken, oh, I don't even know, so many years ago, I'm old now, but um, yeah, I'm really ancient. I had trouble waking up this morning, it was this. Ah. So, um, yeah, this is a video of myself being introduced, uh, interviewed by Ron Kropp of the uh, Inside MMA show. I don't know if any of you guys here are MMA fans. I think you guys are too gentle for that. But um, they were interviewing me because I had recently been to a competition for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And what was interesting about this, it wasn't a Paralympic division or anything. It was just regular old style competition. And I was with one of the top fight teams in the USA, actually, American top team. They train out of Coconut Creek in Florida. And so he was interviewing me to find out what that was like for me, what that experience was like. So the question is, how did we get to that point? And I have obviously continued with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, continued with even now Judo and wrestling and swimming and all kinds of martial arts, but also wider physical activities. And the question is, how do we get to this point for me as a deafblind individual? Well, I have to give most credit to my parents, of course. Now, when we came here from Jamaica, they came here on a basic assumption that a blind person, as I was then, just blind, my uh, hearing impairment didn't begin until I was about four years old. So a blind person, they said, or any disabled person had more opportunities in America. That was their basic, basic assumption. And so they came here and, you know, they, they hadn't been introduced to the uh, teachers for the visually impaired yet, but they basically tried to live their lives and uh, include me in their lives as on that assumption that I had more opportunities here in the United States. 
So although I was blind, I still went to the park. When once we got introduced to teachers for the visually impaired and I got enrolled in public school at the age of three years old, Head Start is an awesome thing, the teachers around me still worked on that basic assumption that I have more opportunities here in the United States. And so I was included in almost, well not almost, all activities that the other students would be included in. So that included going outside, throwing sand, you know, getting sand in my eye. And this is where I want to stop for a minute and highlight something. Being active is never risk-free. It's never risk-free. And that's something that, you know, especially as we get older and maybe, you know, both on the professional side and from the perspective of someone who is deafblind, safety becomes like, it, it's a god that we worship to the exclusion of all else. Not realizing that to be truly active and involved is never going to be risk-free. So I remember, you know, being four or five years old and knowing like three different words for a bump sustained on the head from colliding with solid objects that didn't move. <laughs> you know, there was one time when I went to the hospital because I was running and I ran eye first, you know, prosthetic eyes, I ran eye first into a, a fence. You know, and I spent the latter half of the afternoon in the hospital. I also remember one time uh, TBI was indulging me in one of my favorite pastimes, which is running as fast as possible while going human sighted guide. And so we were running, running, running. I was running on my tippy toes like this. Sorry, Ray, we're not going to go running. Um, so we were running, and I tripped and slid along my face. And yeah, it hurt. <laughs> but you know what else? It was fun. <laughs> and so just, just remember that as we go further into discussion, and I think I have a feeling Andrew will mention this too, but activity, physical activity is never going to be risk-free, and we should not, that's not something we should strive for. In fact, if that's something we strive for, I think we end up cheating ourselves as either people with disability or professionals who work with people with disability. As I got older, I started losing my hearing, uh, I started losing my hearing more uh, precipitously, and I think that I've discussed this uh, in other venues. There's a mentality that adults have that starts to set in as you get older, that stops looking at inclusion as something that has to or should happen, you know, and starts worrying about, I don't know, they start worrying too much about the, the why instead of the how. And I called it, I called the, uh, the positive way to do this, I called it the mentality of a child, because children, they haven't set their boundaries about what reality should be. So they're willing to include any and everything once they figure it out. In fact, they don't even insist on figuring it out before they include you, right? <laughs> oh, you know, they don't like, oh, mommy went away, mommy came back, and mommy's fatter than mommy used to be, so uh, she's not mommy anymore, no. They just accept reality. And then they incorporate what has changed into their reality. So I, this was always the case for me when I was blind. Uh, when, uh, when I was blind? That's weird. Okay. <laughs> when I was younger, you know, I forget sometimes. So 
This was the case when I was younger because you know neither I nor my peers had these preconceptions of what reality ought to be. But they didn't say, oh, he can't do backflips over the, the bar at the top of the slide because he can't see to do it. No. If I ask them, hey, how are you doing that backflip? They say, come, feel me. And I would feel them, and I would emulate them based on touch. There was no preconception that said, oh, he can't see, so he can't imitate. This won't work. Can't conceivably work because all of the literature and education says children learn by imitating by sight. That is what Dr. Mon uh, I don't know any doctor's name. Dr. Phil B. Cosby said. So, uh, yeah. Now as you get to be an adult, you start worrying too much about literature, too much about how things ought to be. And you lose the creativity, the innovation that makes you, you know, include automatically. And so I began to lose this, quite frankly. And it was a stressful time. Middle school, high school was a stressful time because I was losing that. I was losing what physical activity gives you. What the, 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 the and, all right, let, let me see how I can phrase this. What I've discovered about physical activity once I regained it is that it animates so many different things. It animates the willingness to reach out. Now, because I'm in jujitsu, I can reach out to any and everyone to find out more about jujitsu, to find out, oh, are there any training places for jujitsu in this town? So it animates that outreach. It animates me to reach out socially. It also animates me to be more proactive in terms of, you know, independent. O&M, orientation and mobility. And Chris Cole understands this very well. That's why they do a lot of uh, interest-based O&M. They find out what their consumers are interested in and say, all right, we're going to use your interest to drive you. Even when you're scared to death of using the cane, <laughs> we're going to use your interest to drive you out of your shell so that you are more proactive in your orientation and mobility. So it animates that. It also, physical activity also animates political engagement, because once you realize, oh, my town does not have the public transportation that I need, or does not have the resources that I need to maintain my physical activity, oh, I need to make a change. I need to advocate. I need to call my governor to make sure he does something. And so I didn't have all of this in middle school and high school. The one thing I did have that kept me sane, basically, was band practice. You know, that was all I woke up for, basically, in middle school and in high school. Band practice and certain academic uh, pursuits. Once I got into college now, that's when I really started, especially through the benefit of moving to somewhere or staying somewhere like Austin, where they did have good public transportation, that's where I really picked up my physical activity again. I started getting more involved in jiu-jitsu, in judo, in wrestling. I started just randomly going out, going to restaurants, going to spice shops. I also began to uh, do improv comedy. That was fun. And again, you, you don't realize how much physical activity animates. I mean, people like to talk about, oh, it releases endorphins. And it does. It's awesome. But we lose track of what all it animates. It makes you want to reach out to people. It gives you the confidence to reach out to people. It gives you the confidence, as I said again, it gives you the willingness or the need to politically advocate for yourself in order to better your access. And so 
I think that's basically what I wanted to leave you guys with this morning, an, an expanded view of what physical activity allowed for a person who is deafblind. There is just so many different opportunities that I've been exposed to through being in jujitsu for one. Like I've been able to stay at people's houses when I dropped into a city because I did jujitsu. I've been able to, I'm currently president of the uh, Texas Tech Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo Club. So it's just so many opportunities, so much connection. And that's one, that, that's another important thing. We like to lose track of how important connections are for human beings, but we are ultimately social creatures. And so the idea that we can do it alone or simply exist as I was existing in middle school, really, by just being in books, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so I hope I have said enough, and I'm sure Andrew will definitely say enough, to leave us all, yeah, I know Andrew, we had lunch together. <laughs> Very physically active guy. But um, I, I, I hope that all of us will continue working together to oh, encourage physical activity, return to that mindset that children have that doesn't worry about what we think should be, but you know, basically assumes no limits to our world until some adult steps in and changes our minds for the way. <laughs> but that's it. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. How are y'all doing today? You know, this year, uh, the symposium theme is what? Is making connections. Connections. Wow. That word connections, you know, I don't know about you all, but really, I love to meet different people, interact with different people and connect with different people and new people from all over. Recently, I had made a connection with a friend of mine last week, and I went over to his house, and we were joking around with each other and catching up on old times. And he let me know, you know, I was really ready to make a connection, you know, with my children. And my son got home one day, my friend was telling me, and his father asked him, he said, uh, come here, I heard that today is grade report card day. And I said, okay. He said, uh, come here, son, give me your report card. And the son looked at him and said, uh, I don't have it. <laughs> and then my friend, his dad says, why don't you have it? Where is the report card? And the son looked back at him and I, he said, I gave it to my friend because he wanted to scare his parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so David Wiley from the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, TSBVI is the acronym, I connected with him. And he asked me to come up and give a presentation about the, the camp for the deafblind camp and having a camp established for people that are deafblind uh, for 18 years and uh, older. I said, I know, I know exactly what you're envisioning. Well, let me back up just a second. Um, we have the category of people that can't see and they can't hear in the middle of the woods, the forest, without supervision. And so what's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> they could be feeling around through the forest and it's like, why are you so hairy and you smell like honey? <laughs> so I could stand today and give um, a presentation about the deafblind camp, but the research has already proven again and again that it's much better to show than to tell. And that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. So I'm very, very excited that we have a debut of our video. It's our first video that we made for the DeafBlind Camp of Texas. Yay. But. <laughs> One thing before we go ahead and start the video, I'd like to explain a little bit of information about what, you're, what the video is going to be looking, uh, what's going to have it included in the video. We have deaf, deaf blind, and we have the audience so that you can all envision what we're getting ready to see. And there's no talking throughout the video. There's only music that's playing, inspirational music. Really will send chills throughout your body. <laughs> It's a place where deaf and blind people from Texas and all over can get together and take advantage of the opportunity to embark on a journey of unforgettable experiences. And you'll see different uh, clips that we'll show, different activities that we do at the camp. So are we ready to watch the video? Okay, let's proceed. So I guess that's it for me. Uh, who's hungry? Anybody hungry? Dr. Gibson's buying, I hear. Right? No, let's see. What else do we have? So the video that we made really exemplifies what the DeafBlind Camp is all about. It really is about making connections. And that is exactly what the co-founders had in mind when envisioning this camp. For deaf-blind people to make connections with each other, to build and form these connections forever. And that's, that's really it. And again, we just are a little nervous, maybe a little, because, you know, how do you make sure that Nobody gets, you know, no deafblind participants get lost or there's safety or worse, maybe play with fire with uh, Smokey the Bear. Play fire with Smokey the Bear. I don't think that a white cane will help in that situation. <laughs> well, we set this up for the, the communities 
and want to get really a pulse for what you guys think. Is that something that you would go to? We've heard you know, such an overwhelming response that people really would want to come. And so we are in the works now. It's, it's built, and that's all, that's all that needed. We just need volunteers and staff and deafblind to come together and make the camp really work in one cohesive way. It's, it's really a beautiful thing to see. Uh, the success of the camp is just tremendous and beautiful. And in my humble opinion, the reason why it works out so well is because of the people involved. Because they accept each other for who they are, and that's it. And that's all that's necessary. Now we're hoping to continue to grow this organization. Last year, we had it was a pilot weekend. And this year, it's not going to be a pilot weekend. It will be the full program for the week. It will be open for everyone. In fact, we just received an application from halfway across the world in Germany. Imagine. So they want to come to the deafblind camp from across the world. That's right. That is applause worthy. It's not, it's not an easy job, mind you, running a camp of this size. And it requires a lot of help, a lot of support from a lot of people, a lot of volunteers, and a lot of money, a lot of donations and support, and the like. But the rewards of the experience are countless and priceless. Thanks for coming. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.